Hello everybody and welcome to another one in our series of what we hope are entertaining and informative podcasts about financial well-being. My name's David Lloyd, uh, writer and broadcaster, and here with me is my old friend... Chris Budd. Good day. Um, feeling a little bit weary today, David. Um, my, Tell, do share. Do well, share. Luna, that, that uh, our listeners have heard snoring every once in a while... Um, uh, your dog, we should just explain, yeah. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, West Highland Terrier. Um, she seems to think that there's some squirrels in the roof and was barking all through the night last night, so I'm a bit hanging. Uh, well, I had a similar experience, strangely enough, the night before last. Uh, listeners may remember, regular listeners, that I uh, rent out a room on Airbnb and I had a lovely couple staying with me. They brought their lovely dog with them. And unfortunately, their lovely dog and my lovely bog, their di- bog? <laughs> dog <laughs> decided to embark on a barkathon during the course of the night. So when one one of them started, the other one would respond. So I do share your pain. And of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see your stories <laughs> and I raise it tenfold. So, God, the irony of this is that Tomo has uh, got a two-week-old baby. Yes. Now I know what it feels like to you know when they row the Atlantic and they come back and said, "Well, how was the sleep? Well, I had two hours on and then two hours off. Yeah, it's like that." Uh, uh, listeners to the previous podcast may well remember that Tom was in a high state of excitement. In fact, actually received a phone call during recording from his wife. He thought that might be it, but actually I think she just wanted some milk picking up from the shops or something. How did it go, Tom? All right? Yeah, great. Uh, Lindsay did a great job. I have nothing but Never mind what Lindsay did. Um, What were you doing, Tom? Yeah, I know. See, nobody ever asked me that. No, it was fine. It's fantastic. Healthy boy. Uh, Toby, yeah, very happy. Excellent. Happy Open good. a savings account for him yet? Obviously. Any good financial planner would do that for their child straight away, wouldn't they? Right, OK, let's move on to the subject of today's podcast, which is, Chris... Today we're going to hear from a chap called Carl Richards. Now, if you're in the financial planning world, you'll know Carl Richards as being one of the legends of the industry. Can you imagine being a legend of financial planning? What a what a, what a height to scale. Oh, well, I don't know, Chris. Tell me, do you aspire to legend status? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Carl, uh, is he'll tell you a little bit about his story on our interview, but um, he's American. He writes, um, or actually I say writes a column, he actually draws a picture for the New York Times, and that's his thing, is very simple little diagrams illustrating financial principles. And um, they are so incisive and so insightful um, his books, he's got a couple of books called Behaviour Gap, spelt without a U, the American way, um, and the one-page financial plan. And I chat to him a little bit about um, his approach to finances, which are very different to the normal financial institution take-out-a-product type approach. Um, so he's a really interesting guy. He actually lives in New Zealand at the moment. So when, he's, when I spoke to him, it was 5 a.m. in the morning there. And he looked like fresh as a daisy. <laughs> so I don't look like that at 5 a.m. in the morning, I can tell you. Particularly when you've been kept up by exactly, your dog. Exactly, exactly. Uh, as ever, we ask our Twitter followers to, to tweet in your ideas to at Finwellbeing for your thoughts. Here's a couple from non-financial people. Carl Thorpe, at Carl David Thorpe, says, don't let the tax tail wag the investment dog. Could you explain that, Chris? Yeah, that's a, that's a phrase that you hear quite a lot, actually. It's when people are so determined to not pay tax or reduce their tax bill that they forget to focus on the actual investment that is within it. So there are some fairly esoteric tax schemes out there. Uh, a few years ago, there were film partnership schemes, for example, where you could save quite a lot of money but the actual underlying investment, that's what really matters, because it's no use saving whatever 50% of the tax if you're then going to lose all your money on a dodgy investment. Not that they all are, but that's what you've got to look really look at. So that's what that phrase means. Good advice there. 
Next one from Marina Florence. That's at Marina Flow. Keep it in your purse. Yeah, that's a straightforward approach, isn't it? Um, Marina, actually, uh, if anybody's into folk music, um, I've been following Marina on Twitter for quite a few years now. And she's a really good singer and songwriter. I love her stuff, so do go and have a listen. www.marinaflorence, that's F-L-O-R-A-N-C-E dot com. Have a little listen. There's some free downloads. Really good stuff. Uh, but music aside, the notion of actually just hanging on to your money sometimes and when we talk about how to invest and how to spend but but sometimes it's right isn't it you should just perhaps think twice about what you're going to do and just keep it in your purse yeah you're an actor how's your accents try saying keep keep it in your purse but with a good broad yorkshire accent keep it in your purse (laughs) terrible but it it has more power don't you think that way keep it in your purse keep it in your purse (laughs) keep it in your purse oh it's lancashire i've got a lancashire now Keep it in your purse. That's <laughs> Right, we'll stop now. It's not an audition. <laughs> Finally, from Rick Adkinson, at Rick Adkinson, don't be taken in, do extensive due diligence. Yeah, that's uh, going back a little bit to some of these esoteric tax schemes. Um, and I think that's very wise. Uh, people who've been caught out sometimes by uh, scams or, or dodgy investments, etc., if I'm honest, probably could have just looked at them a bit harder before they went into them. Um, not, not always the case. Sometimes the scammers are pretty good, but um, don't just assume that if something says it's going to give you 10% a year, it means it's a good thing. It probably isn't. Well, the old saying, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Amen. Even I know that, and I know nothing <laughs> about money. Right, OK, enough of that now. I'm, I'm gagging, actually, to hear this uh, interview. Okay, so Carl um, is known for his two books that I mentioned before. Uh, He's really, really good at drawing diagrams, therefore I thought he'd be ideal for this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He's um, got an approach where he tries to... He does a lot of uh, talking um, and uh, preaching, but in the right kind of way, to financial planners. And he calls them real financial advisors. So he's really somebody who's trying to get financial advisors, uh, when they give advice, to see beyond simply the money. So now we'll have a little listen, my uh, chat with Carl Richards. So Carl, thanks ever so much for talking, especially if it's 5am in the morning where you are. Wow, that's above and beyond the call of duty as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Carl, you're, you're uh, what I could call a um, bit of a legend in the financial planning world, which is uh, almost damned by faint praise, isn't it? But Tell me a little bit about your ideas on financial planning and, and how it all came about, how you got such an audience for your ideas. Well, thank you, Chris. Um, I'm not sure exactly how to respond. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's kind of a long story, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the short version of it. I, 21, 22 years ago, went to apply for a job when I was in at university and I was looking for some way to kind of work at night and, and I found what both my wife and I thought was a security guard job and applied for it. It turns out it was a securities job and we really really didn't know the difference. So I I mean, I ended up getting the job. That's a story in and of itself, but I I got into the industry quite by accident, but within just a month or two, I was, you know, on the phone answering phone calls for investors trying to make decisions on their own. And I quickly learned that this wasn't about, it certainly wasn't a security guard job, and it also wasn't um, about spreadsheets and calculators. It was about behavior and, and emotion and helping people achieve this sort of underlying goals and values, whatever they were. And that has kept me interested ever since. I mean, I've 
fascinated by how we make decisions generally. I'm not really all that fascinated by money. Um, I'm really fascinated by humans. And money just happens to be a vehicle. And it turns out quite by accident, I ended up in a place where um, I get to explore the thing that I don't view money as dollars and cents. I view it as, as purely a tool. And so our exploration around it is, um, is amazing. So I, I'm really fascinated with humans and, and helping people achieve whatever it is they're after. Hopefully that's happiness um, is defined sort of broadly. And money just happens to be an amazing vehicle to do that. So that's, you know, got in the industry by accident stayed in the industry quite on purpose because of all that it means, but not because of the normal reasons, right? I'm not sure there are any normal reasons. I, mean, I don't think I've, I've heard a story quite as good as that one, but um, most people I find who are financial advisors fall into it one way or the other, don't they? You've, you've had a really particularly interesting kind of um, rise in the industry because of the way you express some of your ideas through your simple, very simple, but, but very incisive illustrations. How did that, tell us a story about how that came to a wider public view. Yeah, I was um, working at a big brokerage firm in the United States and I've had an experience that almost every real financial advisor has at some point, probably multiple times, often daily. I was sitting across the table, the conference room table from some clients of mine. And for real financial advisors, clients aren't just clients. I mean, these are people that we care deeply about. We've gotten to know really well. They, they, in many cases, they've cried in our offices, right? They've told us their most important dreams and the things that they're the most scared of. And we really, real financial advisors really care about these people. And that was the case for me. I can remember who it was, in fact. Um, these were smart people, um, successful people. And there was a particular concept on that day that I was convinced they needed to understand in order to make a really important decision they were trying to make. And I, despite thinking I was really good at communicating, was trying to explain the concept and all I was getting was blank stares. And that's, that's sort of when I say that most financial, most real financial advisors have had that experience. That's the experience, right? Staring across the table and being like, gosh, I'm not getting what I'm trying to get through. And it's clearly not the client's fault. These are smart, intelligent people. So it was my fault. And I remember I, I, there was a whiteboard in the room I hadn't really ever used. And I said, no, like this. And I stood up and drew and I don't recall what it was exactly, but I, I believe given everything else I draw, it was just a series of boxes with some arrows saying, no, the money goes from here to here to here. And as soon as I stood up and touched the whiteboard, I remember the feeling in the room changing. And then as, when I got done drawing, you know, sketching out, like I have no art background and no skills, the client said, oh, I get it. And that's sort of that moment, oh, I get it oh, I get it now, or oh, I understand now, it was sort of the beginning of an addiction where I was just like, oh, how much more? So I, that, that image on the board, and then I kept doing it because it was like, oh, that worked once, I should do it again. And, and then a client said to me after they left the meeting, they called and said, hey, that thing you put on the board, could you put it on a piece of paper and scan it and email it to me so I could show my spouse? And when I saw it electronically, like go out into the world, I thought, hey, I could 
send this out to more people. Like I didn't know, you know, who would listen. I, I didn't have any grand hopes or I, I was just like, Hey, I could do it to more people. And so that started a little blog and the little blog led to, you know, one thing led to another and they ended up in the hands of more people than I ever imagined. So that's, and the New York York times of the wall street journal. I mean, that's more than just one person to another, isn't it? That's, that's big stuff. Yeah. I mean that, that, that again, that was one of those stories where you can't replicate it. It was just, I was putting it up on a website kind of playing in traffic, if you will. And, got asked to do it. You know, I mean, the editor of the New York Times said, Hey, I love these. Will you do them for, for us? And I, I knew from my security guard background <laughs> to, to, to say yes and figure things out later. So I said, sure, <laughs> so let's, let's give it a shot. And that's now, Chris, it's amazing. That's now weekly for over six years. Yeah, that's fantastic. What's your philosophy around money and happiness? The fact you're sitting in New Zealand, I suspect is partly going to be part of the answer. Yeah, I mean, we have on the top of the Richards family, you know, one page financial plan, if you will, uh, is a statement of our values and our values. uh, We have adventure as one of our family values. And I use the term adventure really sort of broadly defined as navigating any wild landscape that does not mean just physical landscapes. And spending time outside also happens to be one of our family values. And so this opportunity came up to go to New Zealand and it's not, um, you know, it's not cheap. It's, uh, it's not without hardship, which by the way, I think is almost a requirement in any adventure. And so we took it, um, and money and happiness for us is a function of aligning our use of capital with what we say is important to us. Now, understanding what is important to us is always a journey in and of itself, and it changes over time. And then making sure our use of capital, like how we spend our money is aligned with that. And that took me years and years and years and years to figure out. I mean, I used to go through these things where we, you know, we'd track every penny we spent, and I'd look back and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe how much money we spent on, you know, outdoor gear. And then my wife and I would sort of look at each other and go, well, would you have done it any differently? You know, and, and that, and I finally came to understand like that's an alignment. Like that's where our happiness comes from is when we use our money for what we say is important to us. That's an investment in happiness is what that is. I wonder, um, the, the, the phrase that uh, we use in the financial well-being book is uh, financial planning is very simple. Just work out what you want from life and spend your money on that. Yeah, really simple, not to be confused with easy. Align your spending with what you say is important to you. Simple, um, not easy. One of the things in your second book you, you talk about, and uh, also I'll plug your podcast as well, the Behavior Gap Radio. Uh, Behavior Gap Radio spelt the American way without the U. That's in behavior, right. not gap, obviously. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. One of the things you talk about, there's a four-part series that I really, really liked about goals and about how actually one of the reasons this is a hard process is because people don't want to uh, admit some of these things. They don't want to have these conversations. And if what we do in the way that we do it can be quite scary, can't it? You talk a little bit about goals and objectives. Yeah, I look, I, I, I just, I hope that for all the financial planners in your audience that like you please listen carefully. Like we have got to stop using that word 
goals the way we've used it, right? Like now, if you want to redefine it for people, fine. But as soon as you say, it's one of the reasons people tell me, and I get hundreds of emails a week from the public asking things like, where do I find a financial advisor? And how do I hire one? And will you please tell them to stop doing this and this and this? And one of the things people tell me that I've been surprised to learn is goals. That's just, that's a huge, that, that word is so loaded. And it's one of the reasons people don't go see a financial. Oh, I know I should see the financial. I didn't really need to. Oh, geez. They're going to ask me what my utility bills are going to be 17 years from now. Right. And what my goals are going to be. And there's so much pressure and to, to have a, a, a goal. Most of us don't know. We haven't thought about that. We don't know what we're going to do five months from now, let alone five years or 25 years from now. And we also know they're going to change. Like we know intuitively that they're going to change. And we also, look, one of the reasons my wife and I came up with when we were asked, why did we hire a financial planner? One of the reasons was I wanted somebody to help me clarify my goals. But the other thing you need to realize is no, I've never ever had a prospective client walk in and say, excuse me, will you help me clarify my goals? Right? So we have to absorb with empathy sort of the reasons people come to see us and then carefully and become masters at, I'm going to use the word trick here and I don't mean it that way. I just mean it. We have to look, people walk in because they've got a, a pile of money normally an acute problem, right? I just sold my business. I just inherited money. I, you know, whatever it is, it's not because they want help with their goals. They don't care about their goals when they come to see you. So they're coming saying, Hey, I need this. I want this. And we know that what they actually need is way underneath that. They don't know it yet. So to say to them, here's a questionnaire, and on the questionnaire says, please list out your goals, is, is completely, like, and I'm going to use really, like, I'm going to be incredibly opinionated about this. I know I'm often wrong, but never in doubt. <laughs> is, <laughs> so please bear with me, but please stop doing that, right? And if you work with a financial advisor, for the members of your audience that are in the public, if you work with a financial advisor or you walk in and they say, tell me about your goals, like, maybe you can coach them right? Here's the way to coach them. Those are guesses. Like the goal I love as a financial advisor, I love using the word guess. So the way that conversation should go is more like, Hey, like we've had a dialogue around your values. Let's define a little bit where you want to go. And by the way, relax, Mr. And Mrs. Client, like relax, right? I know these are guesses. You know, these are guesses let's just play a little game for a minute. Like, so all we're doing is trying to relieve the sense of pressure and say, where do you think you want to be five years from now, three years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now? What do you think? Let's just put a stake in the ground and head that direction. So we, we become less committed to the goal and we become far more committed to the process of guessing and heading that direction. It's, it's, it's about being less wrong than it is about putting all this pressure to build a plan that's right. One last thing, instead of being a defender of an outdated map, let's be a guide in a changing landscape. So financial plans are dead, but financial planning, like long live financial planning, right? Yeah, love it. I'm absolutely love all that stuff. Uh, 
the uh, what we talk about in the financial well-being book is having a clear path to identifiable objectives but your point there is absolutely key those objectives can change and we must take pressure off people from saying that you know there is a destination ahead and you can only head to that destination because that stops you from stepping out in the first place doesn't it yeah we just we need to flip that whole it's it's we do it with business planning we do it with financial planning we do it like we it, it, forget the plan like the the plan itself is is worthless useless dead um without the ongoing process of planning so really it is yeah. about just saying i think i want to head this direction it's a guess i think i want to head this direction i'm going to start moving that direction and guess what's going to happen as i move that direction i'm going to gain new information and as I gain new information, I'm going to incorporate that into my next guess. And then I'm going to make another guess. I'm going to head that direction. I'm going to gain new information. So it becomes a process of sort of narrowing in over 20 or 30 years rather than a, a set point. I have a friend who runs a really successful technology company, and he says their entire business planning process is around, and I'm going to use a technical term, is around sucking less each day. Yeah. <laughs> we just want to suck a little less tomorrow. So there happens to be a term for this. It's Bainesian modeling, right? Like take a step, move forward, gather information, take a step, move forward, gather information. Yeah. So it's yeah, a we, process, not an event. Quite a neat little trick actually to, for your next book. So in the financial well-being at the beginning, we say what's important is that once you've got to the end, you go back to the beginning of this book and start again because decisions you made at the beginning will have changed. Totally. Yeah, completely. We just need to books forever, Carl, that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but we need them to buy new books. So that's, that's I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, that, that's good. I like it. Brilliant. Thanks, Carl. Really appreciate your time. What an interesting guy. Isn't he just? Yeah. And, and 5 a.m. in New Zealand. I can't get I can't get over that. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I love, lucid. I love the story about uh, about how we got into it, thinking it was a, a job for a security guard. But but it's interesting. A lot of people fall into jobs in that way and discover, as he clearly has, a real passion and a knowledge for a subject that they perhaps didn't know they had. And I think with him, what really struck me, that clearly he knows about money and stuff. He's coming at it from an entirely different direction. And he talked early on uh, that he thinks investments should be about behaviour and emotion. He says he's not interested in money. It's about how it makes you feel. And I can really identify with that. Mm. Money is a tool. Um, so let's focus on what we want out of life rather than whether our investments are going up or down or the, or the charges. Those things are important. I mean, I, I last week went to Holland, to, to the Netherlands, to do a talk in a place called Hilversum. And I spoke to um, 350 financial, Dutch financial advisors, uh, financial planners. And one of the things that we talked about was the importance of financial planners to also be qualified as coaches. We, um, along with a, a company called Quiver, we actually run training courses for financial planners to be coaches, to help people to understand themselves better. Better. One thing that's really interesting, just picking up on a little comment that um, Carl made there, I asked that 350 odd people in this theatre how many of them had their own financial planner and there was about two or three people. I have a financial planner myself um, and I think that's really important to go through the process on the other side of the table to really work out what's important in the process of planning and it's not the investment performance, it's not the tax savings, it's the working out what you want from life, it's being challenged. And as we've talked about in so many of the other podcasts as well, it's, it's about how it makes you feel. Uh, he talked um, about 
you know, smart people going into his office talking about the hopes and ambitions and, and crying, you know, at the realisation that maybe uh, the thing that they were dreaming about meant so much to them or maybe it was the thought that they didn't have enough money to do the thing that they were dreaming about. And it's those hopes and feelings that he seems to be really tapping into. Do you know, one of the really interesting things I find about that story is that for that couple, it was the picture that made the whole thing make sense. And for Carl, what he does is diagrams and pictures. But one of the things in coaching that you learn is called the VAK model of how people learn. There's three ways that people take on information, visually, audio and kinesthetic, which means doing. I'm quite heavily kinesthetic. So give me, um, I don't know, a computer game and I won't read the manual about how to play it. I just get on with it, mm. you know. Um, people take on information in different ways and it's important to put across that information in different ways. So in the financial world, being that we're trying to get across to people there's a book with words in it's got diagrams and we're doing a podcast for audio so we're trying to get information out in all the different ways that people receive information anybody out there that does uh, as a professional and has to impart information to other people it's a really important thing to know if you are drawing a diagram to explain something is that because it's the best way that you learn or that the client learns so it's really important to try and get your information across in different ways. Just a little aside I thought might be of interest. Yes, and while we were listening to that uh, interview, you were showing me a couple of the diagrams that he'd done, and I would definitely recommend to listeners to go and dig those out, and we'll give you more information on how to do that at the end of this chat. But fascinating stuff, very simple diagrams, but that explain a fairly complicated thing. I'm going to big you up now, Chris Budd, mm. because I'd had, and I may have referred to this before, but before I came to you for financial advice, oh, 10 years or more ago now, I think it was, I'd had several financial advisors, all who in their own way were very good. But with all of them, I always felt like I was the sort of the pupil with the teacher. I never really understood what it was that they were talking about. But they would go on about funds and this and that and that. And I would go, well, they obviously know what they're talking about. So I'll just do what they say, <laughs> which generally tended to work out well. What you tend to do, and, and has certainly struck a chord with me, is you make me feel that I understand what it is we're talking about, even if I don't. <laughs> you, you make me feel that I do, and so therefore I feel a lot more in control because I think we are doing uh, what uh, he was just talking about, tapping into the emotions of the thing, because that's what I understand. Yeah, absolutely. I can't remember who said the famous quote, but it's something on the lines of the most important thing to faith is sincerity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it sounds like I've achieved that with you, David. Yeah, and also with uh, the other thing he said as well, which struck a chord with me, is uh, say yes and figure it out later. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's always been my approach to life. Yeah, you know, yeah. If in doubt, say yes. Give it a go. Go for it. You might end up embarrassing yourself. Generally speaking, in my case, not very often. Sometimes, yes, but not very often. So if I'm at a crossroads, it is a windy, difficult road to take, but it's what I fancy taking. You know, I, that's the way I'll go. He talked about um, uh, an adventure has to be hard sometimes, otherwise it's not an adventure. Yeah, and yeah. that's absolutely right. But, but the financial planning then our job as financial planners and and people who are listening to this you know who are doing it themselves should take this on board that shouldn't be hard you should just take a few small steps and then see where you are take some information take some small steps the whole thing about guesses the whole thing about um this word goals the next podcast we have we're going to go into this in a bit more detail because i love this idea of let's just take some guesses of the future and see how we get on um as long as you're doing something 
you know, don't stick your head in the sand and don't look at it at all. But because it's such a big deal to decide on your future and on goals, a lot of people, that stops people from doing anything. So I want us to talk about that a lot more in the next podcast. Look forward to that. And uh, just before we close, the thing that really resonated with me is well, one of the many things about your chat with him was when he said that we should use our money on what's important to us, investment in happiness. Yeah. Align your use of capital with what is important. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Find out what you want from life. Spend your money on that. Great stuff. So it was well worth him getting up at five o'clock to talk to you. <laughs> what time was it here? I had to get up from my nap at half past three. <laughs> <laughs> this is the sort of effort that Chris Bud goes to bring you top financial <laughs> advice. Um, well, anything else you want to add, Chris, before just, we close? Um, just to say that Carl's, I mentioned a couple of books that Carl's got out. He's also got a Twitter account at Behaviour Gap. Remember, know you in behavior it's the american way and uh, his books are available just type his name carl richards uh, if you do that in google images you'll see a lot of his diagrams um stick it into amazon and you'll see his books my chat with carl was actually a lot longer than the one that you just heard he went on to talk about investment porn which is a really interesting idea and we're going to hear that podcast in two or three episodes time excellent look forward to that for now though that's all we have time for today thanks very much and tune in again to the financial well-being podcast if you want to be notified of upcoming podcasts make sure you click the subscribe button for more information on the topics discussed in today's podcast and to purchase a copy of the financial well-being book please visit www.financialwell-being.co.uk We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas on financial well-being. You can send us an email at contact at financialwell-being.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at FinWellBeing. Chris is OvationChris and David is at David underscore Backwell. This has been an Ovation Finance production. Thanks for listening to the Financial Wellbeing Podcast. More interesting than you might think. They can beg and they can plead, but they can't see the light, because the boy with a cold hard cash is always Mr. Right. <laughs>